2: Okay,
0: we're all in take five. Hook 'em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn.
1: Rolling on our five-hour morning sports conversation. Five hours a day, five days a week here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. We are once again coming to you live from the uh, home studio in South Austin, Texas. Onion Creek Studios, Rod. Yes, sir. With the renovations and work still happening. I was up at the uh, building over the weekend. Looking good. We're getting there. We're getting there. Looking we'll get close. back in the house and uh, right. get our cameras back and all those things. But I uh, hope you had a great weekend. It was a uh, full, full weekend, to say the least, with the— uh,
2: Jam-packed.
1: Good, bad, and ugly. Hoops tonight. Basketball tonight with the uh, Longhorn basketball team playing that exhibition game against St. Ed's. That'll be cool. My and uh, Rodney Terry's alma mater. Getting a little shine there. Coach Andre Cook does a good job of that program. That'll be fun tonight to see that at the Moody Center. It's free. Not to pay to park or park, whatever. You going to go see your alma mater? No.
2: Oh, come on, man.
1: Oh, we've got a new record a new edition. Uh, not have to. We look forward to recording a new edition of the Eyes on Texas. Multicast, Mike Craven and myself recapping Texas oh, and BYU. Yeah, it's be a big and one. already starting to look forward to Texas and Kansas State. Also, we'll be watching Game 3 of the World Series, Monday Night Football. See if these uh, Detroit Lions can get up off the deck after their loss last week, Rod, to the Baltimore Ravens where they got flattened. That's another team
2: that I don't know if they have one of those uh, inexplicable losses, those unexplainable Detroit? losses. They don't have one. No. They're doing pretty good on that, yeah. Uh,
1: well, they then they they tonight would be the loss, right? They play the Raiders. They need to win that game if they're <laughs> they, truly <laughs> truly one of the tire yeah. top teams in the uh, yeah. NFC. They'll beat the Raiders tonight. Uh, they will on Monday Night Football. They'll
2: bludgeon the Raiders.
1: You would think after the way they play, because yeah. they just played, got, got smoked by the Ravens last sun, last mm-hmm. Sunday. Uh, Ravens are now six and two after their win in Arizona yesterday. So yeah, there's four six and two teams in the NFC. There's one team at seven and one, and that's the Eagles. And to the trade deadline, the NFL is tomorrow. It's a busy little stretch here with all the with the World Series, yep. um, you know, BCS. I mean, BCS. league, college football playoff rankings will come out tomorrow night for the first time, so that'll give us a lot to talk about. But you know, Rod, it's looking more and more like um, you know the trade deadline could be very active because if you're it just tuning be. in, it looks like Kirk Cousins went the way of Aaron Rodgers and blew out yeah. his Achilles yesterday. And, um, you know, if we went from maybe talking about the, the Vikings have been an interesting storyline this year. They went four, 0-4 to start, and now they've won four in a row. Yeah, I agree with that. And they were 0-4. We're talking about they should trade Kirk Cousins. Well, they didn't because Je- I mean, J- Justin Jefferson got hurt. and You're like, they should trade the guy. Well, they didn't. And now here they are at 4-4, and and he's out for the rest of the year most likely. So you wonder if the, the Vikings are thinking about trading for a quarterback. They
2: could. Yeah. <laughs> and right now I don't know if the, you, I don't know if you could get a good quarterback because unless you get it from a team that's already tanking, and it's already decided that because man, there's so many injuries at the quarterback position now. I know. Yeah, like ten teams already. Well, Matt Stafford left the game yeah,
1: yesterday with the yeah. thumb for the Rams. Like,
2: you need everybody needs their quarterbacks. Yeah,
1: anyway, that's in contention is not trading a good backup quarterback. No way. I mean, the Cowboys bludgeoned the Rams so much yesterday they got Cooper Rush in the game for most of the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. to play for them yesterday. The, <laughs> the Longhorns true. did not get Arch Manning in the game, that's and some, we'll hear Sark talking about that coming somebody up.
2: somebody don't hit up the Cowboys for a Trey Lance. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll watch overpay this. Overpay for a Trey Lance. But you're right, well, me. Somebody should
1: call, coach should call Colt McCoy for crying out loud. Colt McCoy is definitely getting Coma calls. Come on, guy Colt. He's getting calls. I well, did. that's a team that's got a lot of weapons, and they're going to get Justin Jefferson back. Yeah. T.J. Hawkinson's playing great. Jordan Addison's playing great. Uh, Kevin O'Connell's a, an offensive coach. The other th- trade that you can almost guarantee is going to happen. A couple others, I, I think Kansas City, after what we saw yesterday with drop yeah, balls and effort, again Patrick Mahomes getting hosed, they need a receiver in a bad yeah, way. I, I don't, don't know, know who's going to be available, but uh, that's one. And the Washington Commanders are going to trade either Chase Young or Montez Sweat. One of those guys getting traded. I agree with that uh, because they're both free agents when the season's are up, and the Washington team knows they can't sign both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Smith is the new owner with the Magic Johnson group. That, that, they're going to make a trade. And both of those guys are talented as hell. I mean, Montez Sweat is a really good pass rusher and a young player coming off his rookie contract. Oh, yeah. Chase Young is a really good pass rusher. I would be bullish to say that one of those guys is getting traded.
2: I'm with you. Um, I think that sounds, that, that sounds realistic, too. And you look at Washington, I'm, I'm sure that they, you know, they want to compete, but, yeah, they're done. I, but I would say that they actually are playing better as a team. That defensive line, though, is, is stout. It's, it's easily one of the top ten. Well, best the tier with
1: Darren, Darren Payne and oh, Durant. It's, I mean, it, it's they're really good. good. Yeah. Uh, but they you know, it's just a financial thing. Look, they, they, they don't have the. Well, they have to. They have a lot of holes to fill, firepower. and you so you you can't get to this offseason and try to sign two elite young pass rushers. That's you can't afford it. Yeah. It's good drafting, but at the same time, you're kind of caught in a, uh-oh.
2: Well, because you need a quarterback, and you got a lot of other
1: issues. Sam Howell address. threw five touchdowns yesterday. Sam
2: Howell looks good. I mean, but is he your franchise quarterback going forward? Is he the guy you're going to invest in?
1: Well, that's the thing, and that's where Ron Rivera may be on the hot seat. Because Eric Bienu is doing a real good job there with that offense. Yeah. Um, but they just they couldn't they, – they got up 14 nothing on the uh, Eagles and then couldn't, couldn't win that game. All right, so we'll take your thoughts on bullish or BS trades you think should happen or could happen. This says Titans should trade Ryan Tannehill to the Vikings. And let Will Levis be their starter. That would be interesting.
2: That is. is uh, yeah, that's a good point.
1: All right. So let's get, uh, get your thoughts on that on the text line, 447 But Right now, let's get to the Longhorns. Top stories. Let's get going with, uh, with the news. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. Yeah, coming off that 35-6 win over BYU Saturday, Longhorns move up a stop spot to number 6 in the latest USA Today Coaches poll. Remain at 7 in this week's AP Top 25. Redshirt freshman Malik Murphy started in place of the injured starter Quinn Ewers and turned the ball over a couple times early but really settled down, was solid, finished with 170 passing yards through a pair of touchdown passes to A.D. Mitchell. Jonathan Brooks was again very productive, 139 yards from scrimmage and scored a touchdown while the Texas defense held BYU to a pair of field goals and had a punt return for a Touchdown from Xavier Worthy on the special team. So, all in all, a win that uh, head coach Steve Sarkeesian pleased with, uh, sitting at 7 and 1. Another really
0: versatile team win. You know, I'm, I'm just continuing to be proud of these guys that, that different aspects of the game show up. We felt really good about the punt return unit that we would get an opportunity, and sure enough, right off the bat, um, we get the big punt return from Xavier. Uh, right up the middle for an explosive play that way, uh, and I thought offensively, you know, for Malik making his first career start, I was really proud of him. Um, you know, I we had opportunities there for the game to to go in a in a little better direction, a little smoother direction, um, and, and naturally we just didn't finish those drives in the red area, and so and we've got to we got to continue to dig deep into that into things that we do well uh, and how do we emphasize that to to score more points when we have opportunities to.
1: Yeah, Longhorn 35 points only 2 of 5 in the red zone. Once again, it is their Achilles heel. The Longhorns the highest ranked Big 12 team in the poll following Oklahoma's loss to Kansas on Saturday. Only other ranked team in the conference is K-State. and Of course, the Wildcats will be the Longhorns opponent on Saturday. That game has been announced as an 11 a.m. kickoff Longhorns open as a five-point favorite, both teams 4-1. and one. Uh, If you're not paying attention, there is currently a five-way tie atop the Big 12 Conference at 4-1, headed into the final month of the regular season. Longhorns and K-State are part of that. NFL Cowboys came out of their bye week in an ultra-impressive fashion. They demolished the Rams yesterday in Arlington, 43-20, dominant in all phases, scored on defense. Special teams was outstanding. Uh, Dak Prescott razor sharp. 304 yards, four touchdowns, 158 of those yards, and two of the touchdowns went to C.D. Lamb. Dallas still trails Philadelphia by a game in the east. Eagles top Washington 38-31 yesterday. Philly and Dallas will meet for the first of their two regular season meetings this Sunday in Philadelphia. Also yesterday, Houston Texans came out of their bye week in disappointing fashion. They lost on a late field goal at Carolina 15-13. tonight. It is uh, Game 3 of the World Series, shifting to the desert for Games 3, 4, and 5. Texas took Game 1, of course, in dramatic fashion on Friday night, but then Arizona bounced back with a win in Game 2. Max Scherzer for Texas tonight. Brandon fought for the Snakes, first pitch, 7-0-3. Clippers rolled the Spurs last night. One twenty-three to eighty-three held Victor Winbanyama to eleven points. Winless Rockets now zero and three. They lose to Golden State down in Houston. And as we mentioned, College hoops at the Moody Center tonight. Texas basketball, 18th ranked in the preseason polls, they will take on St. Edwards in an exhibition game. Horn headlines brought to you by
0: Top Gun Runners and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup, but nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. At Top Gun, TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight.
2: I still think it's really impressive for Texas with a backup quarterback uh, making his first start, very inexperienced. Uh, with a, We talked about the red zone issues. They are, at this point, unfortunately, this is part of the character of this football team. We thought it may be something that they would kind of break the trend. Uh, maybe these were outliers, situations, depending on where they were in the red zone, depending on the personnel they were using, maybe the formations they were using. And I'm trust me, I'm going to go do a deeper dive about the red zone issues. But considering the issues they have in the red zone, which, as we point out now, that's, that's who they are. That's part of their offensive identity. That 35-6 to 6 win is really impressive.
1: Yeah, I, I well, look, think
2: when you break it down, considering like I said everything that, you know, you should have you went two of five in the red zone with yeah. with with BYU having two goal line stands. How often does a team have two goal line stands in a game? can can you remember how often a team had two goal line stands in a game?
1: Well, and I don't think Jonathan Brooks got a carry in any of those or a touch. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's bothersome to me. Yeah. But at the same time, you've talked about how you don't think he's a great red zone back. I'd like to. Well, I don't know. See that say. for myself. Well, no, I know. Yeah. I I know why you're saying. Because yeah. almost in my mind. Well, look, I mean, the, the long ones had 208 yards rushing from five different ball carriers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sark's got a really talented running back room, and it's almost like in his mind, he's kind of pigeonholed. Okay, this is my back for this, and this is my back for this. And yeah. right now, Jonathan Brooks just isn't in his mind as a goal line back try it. I mean, I'd like to see it. I mean, and they certainly miss Roshan Johnson. I'm certainly B. John Robinson, but Roshan yes, Johnson was such a good short yardage back, uh, with his toughness and he almost always got it. And I think he just learned to rely on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, one of the, I mean, you can go through every play of that red zone. Uh, I thought there was a great play call on a, on a fourth down where, well, well, first thing, one of the red zone trips, they had the ball at the goal line. They threw a little quick out to, uh, a Donnie Mitchell at the pylon, and it looked like it was going to be open, but it was late. Your young quarterback, you know, hesitated, got his feet under him, and then throw it a little late and got knocked away. And then on the fourth down play, they run the the play they ran to J.T. Sanders, I thought was a really good play. They run play action, and then they which get J.T. Uh, out to the right side. They do the little motion play, play action, oh, and they threw it out to half, J.T. Sanders. Half row. And, you norm, and you get Jordan Whittington one-on-one on a block on a DB, and if you get the block, J.T. Sanders is going to walk into the end zone. For one of the rare times, Jordan Whittington gets beat by the DB on the block. Not only does he beat the block, he gets under and somehow tackles big JT Sanders and, and knocks him down at the goal line. That's just a really good play by the BYU DB. It was a good play. I didn't hate the call. I mean, I thought, well, this is a smart call. when you're getting one of your best players in space with one of your best blockers in front of him And, you know, kid made a play. Kid yeah, made a play. a play. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, there's those, right? As you go through every play, you're going to be like, well, that's – and you know, that's not a good play call, Sark. Well, okay, but well, that's a good play call. They just made a play. Or that's a good play call. You just didn't execute it. Like, you know, the one where they ran left. I mean, you would think you should be able to get a yard behind Kelvin Banks and uh, Hayden Connor in the left side of the line. It got right. collapsed. Yep. It got yeah. collapsed. They just got beat <laughs> physically. And it's like, all right, well, and you know. They, they, so each of them has its own thing. But you're right. It's part of what they are now. It's their DNA. They're not good in the red zone. So take your points, Sark. When you get to fourth down, just go ahead and kick it. Just go ahead and get Burt Auburn on the field, get your three points, and get that heck out of there.
2: You might be right about that. Um, you know, it's, you might got to take that L, charge that to the game. I think Sark should just – it should be the feel of the game. But most of the time, you're going to need those points. And if you got a young quarterback in there, inexperienced quarterback, now may be the time where Sark starts to heed your advice. But he's like, I got a young quarterback in there. Every time we're in the red zone now, we cannot come away with zero points. Yeah. We, we just have to get points there. If we don't get it in and get a score a touchdown, then I will have to concede and take that L. I'm I am I'm willing to admit that's probably the best course of action going forward until you can s- solve your red zone issues. But right now, like I said, we're in, going on week nine or whatever what, it is. Which you said we, 120th? 120th in touchdown percentage in the red zone. Ouch. And, yeah, it just doesn't look like right now Sark has any answer. Remember, this is, he had the bye week. We knew the bye week he was working on. It. He said he was working on it. They were going to do a deep dive analytical uh, kind of assessment of the red zone. And I think they improved on it versus U of H. Um, but now this is no doubt this is a serious regression.
1: Well, you had, um, you had two Dubai stops H. and you had you had two fourth down, you know, goal line stands. And then you had the fumble where Malik Murphy, you were they were running that play where uh, Xavier Worthy was going to come in motion a towards or, the quarterback. And orbit then he,
2: return motion. So yeah, he and then he goes back like the other way reverse. on the
1: snap. You're running play action there, and then you're going to try to hit Xavier Worthy with a swing pass to the outside with a blocker in front of him. And obviously, BYU saw, you know, this is good film study by Kalani Sataki's team. They saw Texas under center. They saw Malik Murphy under center. And, obviously, they checked to a – or they had a call, just a blitz. I mean, I it was they, a jailhouse yeah. blitz. Yep. I think under center. Jailhouse blitz. Under
2: center because Texas under center, they're only going short yardage because they're going quarterback sneak or something in that regard. Or they're going flea flicker. Every time Texas goes under center, it's usually a flea flicker. Their double pass comes from under center. That orbit return uh, swing pass you just talked about against Oklahoma State, that was under center. When Texas wants to get funky, they go under center. And I just think they, so BYU, decide to go. You know what? We don't know what it's going to be, but we know if we go jailhouse blitz on it, it'll blow every damn thing up and cause enough chaos where they won't they won't be able to execute with precision.
1: Yep. Well, and that was the ugly of a good, bad, and ugly win. The good, and there was plenty of it. Thirty-five to six, you beat a team, uh, you know, conference team by twenty-nine on your home field. Uh, and when you're backup quarterbacks in the game, the other phases of the team have to step up, right? And they did. The special did. teams was outstanding. Yep. Uh, Xavier Worthy didn't get touched on a punt return right up the gut. Um, you, you know, your defense forced three turnovers and didn't give up a touchdown. The running game, I mentioned, five different ball carriers, 208 yards on the ground on 35 carries. Jonathan Brooks led the way with 99 yards. Jaden Blue had 46. Keelan Robinson had 23. And C.J. Baxter had 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so you like Savion Red had 15 so versatile running back room and your quarterback only had to throw the ball 25 times right you, you ran it 35 and you threw it 25 uh that's that's a good win but again you're going to play a really good team this week I mean the everything that BYU couldn't do offensively against you this team can do right they can throw it with the quarterback they can run yeah, it right. with the quarterback yep. they're faster they're more athletic and they're a team that's getting better as the year goes on which is you know typical of a Chris Kleiman team but a lot to like for Texas but then you know you're you're into November now to make it a November to remember for me Rod you've got to embrace whether you hate it or not you got to embrace what you are you you know what your team is now uh great in the fourth quarter uh all year long great and then again you you outscore BYU 14 zip in the fourth um you you're you're physical you're good in a lot of phases but you're not good in the red zone
2: no they're not good in the red zone and um, I, you know, I think in this K State game, Roger
1: really she's really really pretty, but she's got a big nose. Like, what am I gonna do?
2: Yeah, exactly, right? She's a she's a tin butt, uh, <laughs> right? She's a dime, but she's got some issues. And I think you know it's a flaw, but obviously it is not a Shakespearean tragic flaw for Texas because they're still a seven and one football team. So it's still something they can overcome. Um, but when they play a a marquee opponent, when they play a higher level opponent like they did against Oklahoma that's when those issues are exacerbated. That's when they'll come back to haunt you. And this week, you're going to play a higher-level opponent in K-State. Um, and Texas lost that Oklahoma game because, of, in my opinion, there were two factors, two main factors to why you lost that Oklahoma Texas-Oklahoma game. Uh, and it was red zone offense and two-minute defense. You were really bad in both of the, those categories versus Oklahoma, and that really cost you the game. And I think against K-State – if I'm looking at factors that are probably cost Texas the game, if they lose it, red zone offense, two-minute defense. And that would, to me, that would be – and if they lose it, I hope they lose it in a different way because that would be truly tragic because then your flaw would be a Shakespearean tragic one because it's cost you two games. And you the know it going thing. in. So and if you're you had, Sark,
1: you have to – coach. I mean, and you had you a bye week to fix it, and you couldn't fix it. It's hard to coach around the two-minute defense because you just never know how that's going to play out. But at the same time – you can work on it and you can try to get better at it and and they did play better defense this week and they did um but this was an offense that they felt like they could mm-hmm. match up favorably with and they exactly. did uh K-State will be a different animal and this is about all you could ask for you know Brett Yormark in the Big 12 Brett Yormark was kind of you know down you know down when the conference season began you're like man this this conference isn't any good and now they're playing each other but now you do have five teams at 4 and 1 and if you're you're Brett Yormark you have Three marquee games on a Saturday that are going to really define the season, pretty much. Because you got Bedlam and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are both part of that four and one. Texas and K State, and then Iowa State plays Kansas in Ames, and all you know, four, five of those teams are four and one. Kansas is three and two, and uh, so you know this is this is what you want going into November. But Texas, if they can flex and win at home again, they put themselves into a really really good position because I think Oklahoma is going to have a hard time. In Stillwater, I know they're 15 and 3, as you said, in the Mike Gundy era against Crazy. the Cowboys, or against the Sooners. But uh, it does look like they're the trending team that's going up in Oklahoma. You know, watching Dylan Gabriel only throw the ball 12 times for the whole game until that two-minute drill where he threw it seven more. Something's wrong with him. Something's not right. And then if you saw some of the passes he threw on that two-minute drill, Rod, uh, I don't think he's healthy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that. It just it doesn't look like the quarterback I saw in the Cotton Bowl. No.
2: Well, they don't like the same team. And
1: some people would say the same thing about Texas, actually. They would say they don't like the same
2: team I watched versus Alabama. They haven't looked like that team all year. And I think that goes to preparation and game planning. Not saying that's a bad thing, but when there are big games like that, there's extra time used to prepare for those big games, uh, emotional highs that teams are on for those big games. Um, and then the letdown after winning or losing that big game too. So I think that's why Texas and Oklahoma right now, you know, in, in a similar situation, hurt quarterbacks, right? Potentially, or we don't know if Dylan Gay was hurt, but I'm with you. I think all the evidence suggests that. And, can they get back to that, to that elite level of play that they exhibited in those big marquee games? Can Oklahoma, can they replicate what they did against Texas again? Because they may have to to win the Big 12. Um, and can Texas get back to the point where they dominated Alabama in Tuscaloosa and people like around the country said, that looks like the best team in the country?
1: Well, I think if they can beat K-State this week as a you know, almost a touchdown favorite, then I think they're back into that conversation. Not best team in the country, but right where they want to be. Uh, with two road trips to come to Ames and to uh, Fort Worth. And then, of course, wrap it up with Texas Tech. November is here. But, uh, Rod, we'll tell you what today is. Today is a very uh, interesting day on the sports calendar. Tell you that coming back. Also, we'll go behind the burnt orange curtain, taking your good, your bad, and your ugly from the great weekend. What was good for you, what was bad, what was just downright ugly, including this weather this morning. It is cold, and Don Miller is telling you that traffic ain't any good either. So let's get to it. We'll come right back. Hook up with Ian Rodby.
0: Aaron Hogan Rod Babers Hook em Up 1019 AM 1260 The Horn Johnny was a schoolboy When he heard his first
1: Beatles song Welcome to this concert Rod Babers when I was in high school
2: Damn. Bad Old company school.
1: baby Bad company I was at the Woodlands Pavilion When I was a kid Bad company And uh, I'm trying to remember Who opened for them It was a good show Who'd you go uh, to show with? Oh just some group Of my high school buddies yeah. We loaded nice. up my parents' conversion van and drove up to the woodlands and uh, saw the bad bad company open for. Gosh, guy, you know who it was? It was the super group. Who somebody will tell me because. Uh, Ted Nugent joined a group with some Sticks guys, and it was like a super group. I okay. can't remember the name of it, but it was a good show. Uh, out of the woods. I thought
2: that super groups is a thing. What
1: was a thing. It yeah, was well, the 80s. There was a lot of that. big thing. I know. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. A, that was a thing again. Now Nobody wants to be in a supergroup anymore. I don't know.
1: Uh, well, now right. they just form them. You know, they find these five singers, and they become. Mm. I'm Alex
0: Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons.
1: in sync or something. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Before. Uh, <laughs> I like when
2: you're already established and They go, hey, man, let's get together. Like yeah, yeah. the Avengers of, of certain yeah. musical genres. They're like, let's get together and save the genre. Like, it's like, okay. Yeah. It's like really cool. They don't do that anymore.
1: I think I have a right? song from that. It's like an all-star,
2: all-star team of, of musical artists. They should do that more often, man. All
1: right. Like Hold that. on. There you go. Super super they you- do it in
2: hip-hop sometimes. Like Jay-Z and Kanye got together and made like an album.
1: Send us your favorite yeah. supergroups. You know, well, there have been
2: yeah. – That was a good one.
1: Like, you know, you could argue when the Eagles added Joe Walsh, they became more of a supergroup because Joe yeah. Walsh was in a – and they wanted to be yeah. more – because the Eagles were kind of seen as country and they, mm. Joe Walsh brought the rock and roll, right, yeah, and yeah, the crazy yeah. rock and roll guy. Yeah. Uh, and it added to their group. So, you know, there's some supergroups, but uh, so finish, send us your favorite. Uh, also, uh, Rod, today is October the 30th. I know you know that because you have a calendar. But that is also <laughs> – you know that today is the Pro Sports Equinox –
2: Oh, give me this. Yes.
1: Me. The pro sports equinox What's, is today. How
2: many, how many sports are playing? Like, yes. Uh, All going pro on sports right
1: in North America are playing today or tonight. NBA, Ooh, NHL, World nice. Series, Monday Night Football, 11 NBA games. That's sexy. Nine NHL games. The World Series game three, Monday Night Football. So, yes. The cup run o- runneth over. The cup runneth over the, with uh, the sports gasm. Sports equinox, yeah. we call that. It's also the day before Halloween. And I will confirm to you before we go behind the Bernard's curtain rod. I did go to a neighborhood Halloween party this weekend after our te- after the Texas game.
2: Did you go dressed? Did you I dressed? did. And I told
1: my wife we're not going Uh-oh. out of our way here. I I, I I tell my wife anything. But I I said, "Look, I I have a black cowboy hat. Let's do something that's easy cuz I got to work during the day. I got to do nice. pre-game with Rod, then we're going to do the the in-game watch along with uh, our friends at Inside Texas. And it's only in the neighborhood." So we went as Beth and uh, Rip from uh, Yellowstone. Nice, I like that. I put on a black good shirt tip. with a black mm-hmm. jacket. that I had. She painted some black whiskers on I my face. So say, I was going to say, how'd you do the beard? Beard and glasses with a important. toothpick. How'd you do the beard? Put the my beard boots important. on. Put That's my good. black boots on. It's good. It worked. It worked, and she did a great job because she did the makeup like it. She did Beth after she got beat up. Remember she had all oh, the bruises. Oh, she had like, fight. Yeah, she had to be. I remember that.
2: Yeah, she had the red. She had a wig. Yeah, she had a blonde wig. All right, there we go.
1: Oh yeah. Leopard, leopard jacket deal. So, yeah, we had fun, but it I was like good that. to see everybody. There's some really good I mean, people in our neighborhood. Go, go, they do pretty good. They I go all out.
2: Wow. They make you feel bad if you don't put some effort into your costume. I put on a
1: black shirt and a hat, and I was like, wow, what, I'm exactly. ripped. I'm <laughs> ripped, y'all. <laughs> That's
2: kind of how I am. I don't think I've, went, I've gone all out for a costume in a long time. I'm about all out. Ty, all right. Ty, was, Ty was a penguin, and that was just because his friend had an extra penguin costume laying yeah. around. Well, it, like
1: it, it and worked. I wasn't making again, any
0: plays in that penguin costume, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's not not it was not flattering.
2: Penguin. No. <laughs> would, oh, come on, man!
1: What was the most flattering costume you saw? Were there anything you see that was just like, uh, like one of the ladies at the party I went to was dressed as like the the superhero Fire? I don't even know what that oh, is. Oh, Okay, you did a good job. I had nice. a, did a I, good yeah. job.
0: I had a run in with a little Red Riding Hood.
1: Ooh, and yeah, you were the big bad wolf.
0: You could say that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man, that was happy not, Halloween. That was, that was not
0: on the penguin costume night though.
1: Happy Halloween, uh, everybody. Go. Oh, yeah, you told us about your booty call. Okay, can we go behind the burnt orange curtain? It's uh, hook <laughs> them up. Uh, a couple times a morning we get the, uh, the deep dive conversation about the Longhorn football team behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. Damn um, Yankees, Rod. Damn Yankees. The band were the damn Yankees.
2: Oh, man, you'll like this. Super I'll- group, sorry. What is it called, the Damn Yankees? Damn Yankees. Yeah, I know. we got to have more super groups, man. I think that would be a cool thing. Uh, we also thought it was a cool thing when, uh, how about this, when U of H started using the Love Your Blue uniforms. Remember that, their version of it? Yes. That everybody loved. Uh, apparently, the NFL don't like that.
1: Oh, probably the not. They protect their brands.
2: Yeah, the NFL is sending, I think the NFL is a little uh, upset about that, so apparently the NFL is telling them to uh, cease and desist with those unis.
1: Uh, throwing it out there. All right, Roger, to clear it up, Damn Yankees were a super group formed with the uh, the singer from Styx, uh, then the bassist singer from Night Ranger, Jack Blades, and Ted Nugent.
2: Man. And that was the group that opened for?
1: Yeah, for the bad okay. bad company for Bad yeah. Company, which was a good concert back in the eighties when I was in high school.
2: What it was discouraging the supergroup. Somebody also said together. super
1: groups. Led Zeppelin was essentially a super group too. Did you know Led Zeppelin when Jimmy Page formed Led Zeppelin when we came out from being a session musician? because Jimmy Page uh, was in a was in a band and he, he kept getting sick on the road so he finally said I love playing guitar so I'll just do a session musician so he just play in the studio in studio all
2: the time okay and then he
1: finally was like no nah, I need to go back out on the road and he formed Led Zeppelin and he asked Eric Clapton to be in the band before uh, when he was starting it you almost had Jimmy Page and Led and Eric Clapton wow. Clapton de- declined Man, what could have been but he, 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 he being a session musician he learned all these these talented guys like who's the best vocalist I know well uh, let's get that let's get the best drummer let's get the best bass player John Paul Jones uh, and yeah so Led Zeppelin t- was, a, was a that. super super okay. group that's pretty cool Traveling Wilburys, is another one remember when they all got together with Tom Petty and Bob Dylan and Roy Orbison. That's what I'm saying. And Why don't
2: people do this more? I agree in, with you. In the modern day. It's like it was happening a lot back in the day. but I don't know. It, 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 I'm sure there's a good reason for it. It's probably having to do with money. They're
1: all too <laughs> self-absorbed today, right? <Rod. laughs> it's probably
2: having to do with money. I'm sure there's a really uh, good reason for it. They do good it.
1: like collaborations these days. They do
2: collabos, but yeah, the super group, when they actually stay together for a while, is different. Tour
1: that, and everything. But even
2: doing the collabos with albums, I think it's like a new thing in, in hip-hop they're doing more of, which I like. So at least you can consider that, but they don't stay together, but they do work together a lot you're starting to see more of that anyway Uh, all right so let's get to behind the burnt orange curtain here uh, Malik Murphy. Let's talk about the quarterback and his performance. He was 16 of 25. He had two touchdowns, one interception. did have the fumble uh, that he lost as well. Um, and 170 yards. Uh, I describe that anytime you're talking about young players, you know, they, they essentially, a lot of those young players in college are teenagers, um, but even young, inexperienced players at the NFL level, at the professional level, they usually have trouble developing a baseline of consistent performance. Um, so before they get that baseline, you see Flashes, um, and unfortunately, you see flashes both good and bad. You have wild plays, and then you have what the plays. And I think pretty much from Malik, we saw that, right? You saw the wild plays and the what the plays, and and when he gets more experience, it's hard to really predict when the lights gonna go off and they're gonna develop that baseline of consistent performance sometimes it's a couple of starts sometimes it takes a whole season plus i mean for Quinn Ewers, it took uh, like a season plus to kind of get the the starts and the recall um and then the kind of comfort level within the offense malik's not even close to that yet um so my point is that's exactly what you got right you got the wow plays you got them really up uh really high and you got some really low plays but as uh, he gets more comfortable within the system, you'll start to get a baseline of performance. Now, we don't know if Quinn's going to come back before that happens, but the, the, the improvement from week one, or at least from start one, to start two for him is going to be, in my opinion, it should be pretty drastic. It should be pretty dramatic. Just because he was working out a lot of butterflies and a lot of rust. Just hasn't started a game That's since. the first
1: competitive snap he's taken since he's a Shoot. high school player, right? Yeah, it's just been a
2: long He's had a lot of injuries that he's been yeah. fighting through. And I think you could actually tell there was, I don't know, some hesitancy a little bit in his game, uh, especially when – you know, there are times when the rush got to him and he, his, his clock was sped up and he just panicked. That's The interception was just a panic moment. He, he panicked and made a bad decision, which you expect from young quarterbacks, growing pains.
1: Well, and guess what? Now you have a whole week of film to go sit and watch and work yeah. on. And, uh, you know, now Sarkin and A.J. Milway can drill down with him on, okay, look, uh, in this spot, let's yeah. look for this. That's where the improvement comes one week to the next and the nerves aren't there as well. Plus, you get to play at home again.
2: I uh, totally agree. The plan at home again is big. I'm glad you brought that up. That's, that's important. And, you know, I think for, for, for Malik, what I did see, and I like this from Sark. Sark can do this, and he's done it multiple times with Quinn. He didn't do it successfully a lot in 2022, but I've seen him do it this year. And Oklahoma game was probably the best example of it. When Quinn's having an off game or starts to spiral a little bit early on, he's able to get him back into a rhythm. And it was a tremendous job of it in Oklahoma game. I mean, those last three quarters were great, considering he threw two picks early. Almost perfect. That. It really was. It was like it, really, it was some of his best. Best film we've ever seen from Quinn, and that goes to Quinn's ability to, you know, the rebound, right, to, to bounce back after a, a bad game and not spiral out of control. But also for Sark to understand how to get his quarterback in a rhythm step-by-step. Step. That's big because I've seen young quarterbacks and any quarterback who will go down a kind of spiral, if you will, in quicksand with a couple of bad plays early. That didn't happen for for, uh, for Malik in this game. Even though you had some bad plays early, I thought Sark was able to get him back into a groove, get him back into a rhythm. And I don't know if he was back, just get him into a rhythm because I don't know if he was ever actually even there after those unfortunate plays. And shout-out to my man Tommy Yarish over at Horns uh, 24-7 points out that after the first interception, uh, the only interception, Malik Murphy uh, finished the game 13 of 18. So 72% completion percentage, 136 yards, two touchdowns after the interception. I did have the fumble, too. Um, but honestly, I put the fumble a lot on Coach Steven. Uh, you know, I love me some Coach Sark, but Coach Steven, sometimes he goes out there and he and he whispers in Coach Sark's ear and makes him make some uh, questionable calls and questionable decisions. To put your young quarterback under center like that in the red zone when Texas goes under center, what, 5% or less percent of their snaps, probably th- between 3 to 5% of their snaps, they go into center, maybe less. I think that was probably – ill-advised. And in Texas is really predictable on the center. They usually go flea flicker, uh, some really exotic play, or they're going quarterback short yardage run game. And BYU know, knew it was either or, and they just decided we'll bring in the house, and we're just gonna cause chaos and blow the play up. That's exactly what they did. End up forcing a fumble.
1: Uh, yes. And, you know, but he, again, he did, as you said, like a teenager would, you, they, they wow you with things that they can do. And you're like, oh my God, that's my kid. And then yeah. they just like freak you out. Like what in the world is wrong with
2: you? <laughs> Why would you throw that? Are you kidding me? <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the throw he threw to A.D. Mitchell, I thought was really high level. I mean, he kind of looked the safety off a once he saw point? the, yeah. yeah, the 30 yard, you know, drop in a bucket. Cause once he's A.D. Mitchell ran a great route there too, cause he he looked like he was going to the to the pylon and said and you know cut it back what yes. the 7 route to the 9 route and then once he saw the safety's feet uh you know bite on the route he you know fired him through it right as he was coming out of that break and it just dropped into the bucket and a really good throw shows you how quickly he can just flick his wrist and that ball goes 35 yeah. 40 yards in the air that was nice to see so yeah there were some good throws and some bad and i agree with you that you can anticipate Really good improvement week to week getting ready for his second start because we assume he'll be starting this next week too. We'll get official word or at least some more yeah, word from Sark today at so. 11 o'clock.
2: Yeah, I think he is going to end up starting uh, this game too versus K-State. And it will be interesting. You know, K-State, they run the dreaded three high, three down. And how Sark's going to approach it, especially now because I guarantee he's been – you know, getting Quinn ready for that too, in a sense, right? We saw Quinn have to deal with it against U of H um, and Quinn learned to take what the defense is giving you in the passing game versus that three high, three down, where now you're dealing with teams that specialize in it. It is part of their defensive DNA. Uh, they do it as well as any team in the country, and it is the best schematic matchup, um, as i pointed out, at times can be these the kryptonite to Steve Sarkeesian's um, offense. And we'll see if he's – I think he's got an antidote for it but we'll see if Sark is able to utilize that.
1: All right, Ty, I sent you some sound. Can we play this real quick? Cause this is from my friend, our friend Dennis DeLaPena at Fox 7. This is Malik Murphy with Sark and then Malik again, that they a package they did over the weekend uh, talking about Malik, talking about bouncing back, Sark, talking about what he liked about it, and then you'll hear Malik as well. Uh, but this is credit to our friends at Fox 7 Sports, uh, Dennis DeLaPena and company.
2: 100% ready to come in and help the team um, and help any way I could contribute to a win.
0: The way that he responded from both of those two turnovers um, I thought were great you know Malik's got got really good composure about him.
2: It was a young mistake on my part um, putting the ball in harm's way but I was able to bounce back and the team bounced back with me you know they didn't get down on me everybody came up to me and said I'm all right let's let's keep going keep our foot on the gas so that's what we did.
1: All right there you go, um you know bounce back and team rallied around and that's what a good team does and that's where Sark continues to brag about the culture of this team uh and' we'll, in the next hour rod, I'm gonna play you sark talking about or sark talking about and bragging about something you brought up last week in your in your rant about this quarterback most every quarterback in this kid's shoes would have left yep. uh, in college football. No one would have criticized him for going. I'll let y- I'll play that for you coming up because they- the fact that he got an opportunity to play and win that game and now has a ranked matchup. You know, Big Noon Fox is coming here. Big time. This is their big game of the week yep. with Urban Meyer and Matt Leinert and all those guys. Uh, this will be a center of attention. He's got that opportunity now. Uh, it's because he didn't leave. He didn't leave. Now, he could be starting somewhere else, but at the same time, big opportunity for him. We'll hear Sark talking about that. Coming back, we go off the record, including the uh, tragic loss of one of the stars of the TV show Friends. Right? I don't know how big of a Friends fan you were, but it's sad to see that Saturday night. We'll yeah. get you details. Also, you folks are doing a great job of sending us your favorite supergroups, so we'll get to some of those. Coming back and Off the Record on hung 'em Up. D. Mega doodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the
0: sign will spell out
1: Delhi Cat Essen.
0: Well, I don't get. break bring the cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big east. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record.
1: Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. and thing sucks. Oh, off the record, appreciate you folks participating. We talk about super groups. I don't even know I mentioned. <laughs> I saw bad company, and it was uh, Damn Yankees. There was a super group in the '80s that uh, opened up, uh, led to a super groups conversation. Several people said the uh, Traveling Wilburys, Audio Slave, Chris Cornell. Uh, they want to. Yeah, this was back in the '90s. Audio Slave was a band that was Chris Cornell. Uh, who had been with Temple of the Dog right out of that Seattle scene, and then they, some members of Rage Against the Machine got together and formed a supergroup. It um, says, greatest supergroup of all time, the Highwaymen. The Highwaymen, yeah, that was Willie Nelson and uh, Waylon Jennings and the crew. That was awesome. Temple of the Dog, grunge mm. supergroup. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, Chris Cornell was actually in two grunge supergroups, essentially. Silk hey. Sonic, modern-day supergroup, rock. Part
2: of two super, he was like LeBron James. He wanted yeah. to be part of them supergroups, well, huh? And somebody pointed
1: out Chris Cornell could have sung in a you know, high school cover band, and it would have sounded good because yeah. he had a great voice, unique voice, one of the most unique ever in rock. Uh, Silk Sonic Rod, modern-day supergroup S- with S- uh, Bruno Mars jumping in there with... Uh, oh, okay. What's the, what's the guy's name? Um, I didn't
2: know that. I didn't know he was doing it. See, well, there you go.
1: Yeah, Silk Sonic with... Uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, the drummer. Really good. Uh, they did, they did uh, Leave the Door Open.
2: Oh, is this like when they were doing like the old school old school R&B yes. jams? Yes, actually. I have heard this, and it is pretty good. It's really good, actually. I've heard this. It almost sounds like they're doing almost a parody yeah. sometimes of the old school uh, R&B jams. It's a
1: super duo, but it's yeah. Anderson, Pac, and Bruno Mars. Yeah, together. I've
2: heard that before, too.
1: And they yeah. they won the Grammy for that that song. Uh, it's, a, it's a good song. Leave the Door Open or yeah. whatever it is. Um, but yes, so good super groups rolling in. Appreciate that. That's always a, a good uh, highwaymen again mentioned. We there was also the Highway that. Women. By the way, did you know recently in the last de- half decade, the did not know that. Brandi Carlile and Mor- Marin Morris and uh, Jason Isbell's wife um, really? all got together. and They formed a super group that was they oh, put out some records. They were called the Highway Women, uh, the High Women that. essentially. So they did that. Led Zeppelin, Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, Coverdale Page. Yeah, in the in the eighties, I still have an album. Where, where David Coverdale, who was the lead singer of Whitesnake, got together with Jimmy Page, the guitarist from Led Zeppelin, and they did did an album together, which was pretty cool. Uh, how about Blind Faith, guys? Eric Clapton with Steve Winwood. That was a great band. That's good. Uh, Blind Faith. And did you know one of my favorite all-time albums, one of the most underrated albums for rock and roll fans, is an album by Derek and the Dominoes, which it's Ooh. Eric Clapton with uh, Dwayne Allman from the Allman Brothers. And it's they did wow. one album together, and then Dwayne, of course, was died. Uh, but it's some of the. It's an amazing album, and the the Eric Clapton wrote all the songs because he was heartbroken because he was in love with George Harrison's wife, and she Ooh, was supposed to leave George Harrison for him, on. and she didn't. So Why she is there wrote. Why not a
2: screenplay about that? <laughs> that sounds like
1: it's a. That's a riveting, riveting, riveting oh, tale, oh, man. Oh, Come on now. Yeah, George, Eric Clapton was in it. He was hugely in love with the George Harrison's wife, and. He thought he was going to leave her – she was going to leave him for her or whatever, and it didn't work oh, out, so I he like wrote this that. amazing album. It's got Layla on it and all those great songs, Derek and the Dominos. All right, Rod, what are you having off the record? Uh,
2: all right, uh, Ty, can you uh, tee up the uh, idea my situ of – and I don't know why it happened – of Flavor Flav singing the national anthem? Where? Did you guys see this? I thought it was a joke. I thought it was an AI or something, some weird artificial AI joke, but no, apparently – He sung it at the Milwaukee Bucks basketball game. Yeah, that Flava Flav. Flava Flav, boy. And how did it go? Here it is. You tell me.
0: And the singing of the Star-Spangled Banner performed tonight by six-time Grammy Award-nominated rapper and artist Flava Flav.
2: Oh, oh, say.
1: Can you see by the dawn's early light what so
2: Stripes
1: And bright stars okay. well, I'm, out. I'm, out. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm
2: out He tries to actually sing it though I actually thought he would do Go more toward the Flavor flavor bit But he didn't, he tried to sing
1: it I'm just saying if I was a judge on the voice I would not be turning my chair around But What
2: made them try to get What made them get Flavor flavor out of all artists To sing the national anthem Can we play that every
1: morning know. to open the show?
0: Please no <laughs>
2: Please.
1: Hey, did you know this, speaking of open the now late Matthew Perry from Friends, who That's died in what appears to be a drowning incident in a hot tub. That's sad. One year ago, he released his memoir called "Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing." Oh, this is when he's talking bad on Keanu Reeves. Well, is no, that, the first line of the the first line of his memoir says, "I should be dead," oh. and one year later, he's
2: because of his drug use.
1: We don't know. I mean, is it a drowning, but that doesn't have a healthy he, 54-year-old man drowning in his own hot tub. He's
2: refer, I'm talking about in the book, he's referring to his drug use. Yes. That's why oh, he yeah. should be dead. Alcoholism. Is, yes. Alcoholism. Uh, pills. He did a lot of stuff. Pills, drugs. Stuff, he was an stuff.
1: alcoholic. Because you would see him on series of Friends where he's heavy, then he's real thin, then he's real heavy, then he's real thin. Yeah, he
2: recently said he couldn't watch the episodes of Friends because he just all he thinks about is what drugs he was addicted to at the time. Yeah. He's like, you can see, is that like cocaine? Here, well, and then they, they talked to all here, the whatever. members
1: of the show. They all knew, too. Yeah, they all sad. could tell. Yeah. The got shown up blitzed.
2: And, they, and I'm sure they probably feel a little guilty now just because, I mean, you know, anytime somebody close to you has an issue like that, you wonder if you could have helped out a little bit more. I don't been know. There yeah, that's sad.
1: That's uh, sad, man. Sad to see that. Yeah, get help.
2: Time. If you need help, get help.
1: Get help. We'll be get back. Help. We will help you all the way to 11 o'clock with our Monday edition The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. More on Texas. we we'll let you hear this uh, Sark bragging on his quarterback Malik Murphy for sticking and staying with the program and why he did it. Coming back, hook him up.